Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. This podcast is designed to help open your awareness to the truth of who you are, a limitless being. You are worthy and deserving of an abundant and prosperous life. It's time to peel back the false beliefs and live the life you dream about. For additional resources or to contact me directly, please visit my website, heatherhakes.com. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 474. In today's podcast, my guest is sharing with you how you have the power within to heal from the inside out. Welcome to today's interview. I brought on Amanda Kate. Amanda, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute honor to be here. For those that are new to you, can you please give a little background? Where do you live and what do you do? I am from Melbourne, Australia. So we were just having a little chat about that. Um, it's down the south, um, southeastern uh, coast of Australia. Um, I am an author. I am a kinesiologist. I am a mentor, a mother, an archetypal life coach, um, wearing lots of different hats, um, both in work and in life. And yeah, it gives me a lot of variety, <laughs> which is nice. <laughs> I'd love to start there. Um, Can we define what kinesiology is? Talk more about that. And then I really want you to go more into detail about um, the essential oil story you were just sharing with me. Yeah, absolutely. So a kinesiologist in Australia is a little bit different to kinesiology in the in the States. You guys tend to have it as, um, I guess, part of the physiotherapy, occupational therapy kind of um, modalities, whereas in Australia and, and other parts of the world, it is about energetic and vibrational healing. So we are looking at using manual muscle testing. So testing the stress resistance of muscles, which people like Bruce Lipton talk about a lot um, and um, a whole heap of other people talk about that kind of stuff. David Hawkins was a big um, proponent of it as well. Um, and using those muscle muscle tests to get the biofeedback from the body of what's going on under the surface. So I look at myself as a facilitator or a translator, even, you know, it's like your body's speaking to you in Russian or Chinese and you are speaking, you know, French or Italian and neither of you are really understanding each other very well. So (laughs) I, I sort of see myself as that intermediary of reading the messages from your body and explaining to you what they are. So in those muscle tests, we test up different emotions, different oils, different, you know, vibrational remedies. Pardon the interruption. If this content is resonating with you, please be sure to leave a five-star review. I want to offer you some additional resources. Visit my website, heatherhakes.com and sign up for my free video training on how to reprogram your subconscious mind. I also offer one-on-one coaching. I will help you create clarity and a roadmap so you can live the life you dream about. Best part? Everything I teach, you can start implementing right now. To learn more and apply, visit heatherhakes.com. Now, back to regular programming. Of what's going on under the surface, or the remedies sort of come to fix what's going on under the surface, not fix it. I don't like that word. Um, But to rebalance it so that the the vibrations in your body can run more fluently so if you imagine the what you know your nervous system as the wiring of a house when you're in stress a lot of people it is like every light every electrical appliance everything is on and you cannot switch anything off and you don't know what's going wrong but you are just you know fully wired other people when they go into stress it's like everything in the house is switched off and nothing is working and other people, you know, will have lights flashing left, right and center and other things that aren't working. So we're really looking at sort of rewiring that nervous system and allowing that energy to flow correctly um, because your body actually knows how to heal itself. It has an innate wisdom that it knows what it needs to be in perfect health. And so we're really just translating those messages that have been, um, you know, distorted through either chemical, emotional, or, you know, physical stress so that we can get the body back into alignment. And you can understand how to read those signals 
before it manifests into physical illnesses and injuries and things like that. I love the idea. I had a coach a few years ago because I had chronic pain in my foot and I'm a big runner. Mm. So that was a big issue. And I know that chronic pain is trapped emotion. And something Mm. he shared with me is you have to feel it to heal it. That thing about your emotions are like a check engine light in your car. It's an indicator something's off. But what I would love for you to expand on, um, you touched a little bit on stress and what I understand Mm. and have read and heard that stress is the number one cause of all dis-ease and like problems in our life, more or less. Yep. 100%. Can you, (laughs) yeah. Can you break down, you mentioned three. Can you break down each of these more, the chemical, the emotional and the physical stressors? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, I mean, easy one that people sort of go straight to is the physical stress because most people don't respond to what's going on in their body until they have physical pain or discomfort we don't see the warning signs coming um so you know and it's interesting actually i'm going to do a little bit of a sidebar quickly quantum physicists have proven that the universe is four percent physical matter so if we're thinking that this meat suit that we're walking around in is four percent of the picture that's a hell of a lot of hell of a lot of the picture that we are ignoring So the rest of that picture is our energetic health, our emotional health, our mental health, our physical health, our, sorry, our um, spiritual health, our metaphysical health, our transformational health, our financial health, our relational health. I mean, we can keep going on. All of those different aspects of us all knit in to that 100% of who we are. And the reason we sort of break it down into three main categories is because I think bits from each of those different aspects of who and what we are pretty much feed into those three pathways so the physical body obviously is where we will notice you know say digestive discomfort or aches and pains or actual diseases coming through now the interesting sort of loop that we find ourselves in when we go to the western medical model it's like well why am i feeling like this because you've got this disease well why do i have this disease well because you're feeling like this and the symptoms tell us that that's the disease you've got you know and so you're just going in this loop of you know what tells you have these disease well these symptoms tell you have the disease but why do i have the disease well because you've got these symptoms they're not looking at what's the root cause what actually turned that switch on in your body because we can have a genetic predisposition to hundreds of diseases, but unless a stress of some type triggers that switch to turn it on, that that gene may just stay there unactivated our entire life and we may never have a problem. And so that's, I guess, that, that physical kind of stressor. Chemical stress is obviously what we're putting into our body, food, you know, things we're inhaling, anything that we're basically taking in, ingesting, contact with so skin um air contact inhaling anything that you know doesn't really belong in the body so yeah okay inhaling air is great but if it's full of pollutants not so good for our body you know if we're eating fruit and vegetables great but if they're completely covered in glyphosates and you know monsanto and bayer herbicides and pesticides again not so great for the body because we're effectively ingesting poisons so again we've kind of got to look at what is going into our body and causing that chemical imbalance Um, and that can also you know come from some of the physical stresses we're having and, and all of that kind of stuff so they don't always obviously sit in those silos as much as our brain wants to put things into neat packages obviously they all influence each other um emotional stress obviously can come from a multitude of different areas that can be coming from the you know financial stress is a big emotional stress you know if we're feeling unsafe because we don't have the financial means to get through the month or you know having relationship issues with our loved ones and our partners and you know our family members where our relationships aren't as harmonious as they should be that can cause a lot of emotional stress, a lot of emotional abuse, the gaslighting, the um, the stonewalling, all of those sorts of things that can come on. 
again, cause emotional distress, emotional discomfort in the body. And that can go on to cause physical stress. And, and you know, that's where that's where a lot of my chronic fatigue came from, was from that emotional stress, which then was, you know, pushing it into all of the other imbalances. That was why I had all of the chemical imbalances with my hormonal system being completely out of whack. And then the physical aches and pains and all the rest of it. But it all came from the emotional stress because the rest of my life actually looked, you know, as we were talking about before, it was tick boxes on paper great um now the other thing with those three stresses is they then cause electrical stress in the body so we are just one big electrical board really um we have a lot of the electrolytes in the body a lot of the salts and liquids and things and we've just got electrical impulses through our nervous system that run the show basically that's really simplified i know but you know i appreciate Yeah, but I appreciate simple because there's no need to make this super technical. And I mean, I love neuroscience and quantum physics, but let's make it understandable. (laughs) So what will happen with those physical stresses, with the chemical stresses, with the emotional stresses, it means that our electrical system isn't working properly. Mm. And as I said before, then if you, if you put that into say the wiring in your house, you're not going to be able to, you know, run your washing machine or your dishwasher or your air conditioning or your heating or whatever, if you've got electrical problems, or you're going to be shorting things out or creating little fires or, you know, all the rest of it. So, yeah. Okay. So here's my question, because you kind of touched on it. I would love to talk about conditioning and programming, because as an example, you are right, the Western Med, and it's a huge industry, if they no longer band-aided all the symptoms, they would go out of business because I believe, you know, and something you say is our internal truth over external influence. But if we're programmed and conditioned, when you have a symptom or an ailment, you go to a doctor, you get a fix, you get an antibiotic, you get a pill. Somebody I talked to recently has taken on the identity that he, um, how did he phrase it though? clinically depressed and I'm like damn that I mean Mm. hmm. let's not go down that rabbit hole but anyway the point is that all the programming that you got to seek externally and band-aid symptoms how can we help people understand there's a root cause deal with it and you won't have the symptoms and I think that is about the education you know that's why I I talk on as many platforms as I can you know I would love to be on big stages and and on a heap small podcast because I want to be getting that message out is that we have the answers now yes okay we do need modern medicine my girlfriend for example just had a massive um asthma attack she ended up in hospital about three times with it she hasn't had asthma in over 20 years but it came back and it was you know we know there were emotional you know relators to it we know there was a whole heap of other stuff going on but in that moment she did need the medication and it was an absolute life-saving thing for her it is you know so i'm not saying it's not necessary but pharmaceutical companies are on record as saying we want every person on at least one medication because that's their customer base that's how they make the money and they lobby governments um you know, I, I've looked into, you know, the numbers, the amount of money that they pay governments, even here in Australia, it is worse in the US. But, um, you know, the amount of money that they pay to have their agendas pushed forward is phenomenal. And most people are uh, don't see that kind of thing. Um, and even the way that we, you know, as a natural therapies industry in Australia are trying to be silenced because the so-called friends of science, which is just basically medical doctors, aren't wanting us to be helping people heal because then they don't have customers. Yeah. And I don't mean to be rude and try and say anything too controversial, but you don't make money if people aren't don't go straight for medications. Yeah. And you look at some of them. I mean, I had a client come in to me and he had been on the same epilepsy medication for 15 years. Now, I just looked up, there's a website called drugs.com. I looked up the, the medication he was on and every symptom he had come to me for was on the contraindications list for that medication. I said, who's been monitoring you? He said, no, I've been on it 15 years. No doctor's monitoring me. 
I said, well, this isn't a problem for you to be seeing me about. You need to go back to your doctor and actually say, I have every single one of the symptoms on this list. But he didn't even have a clue that that was what he needed to do. Mm. And you go, he's been on it for 15 years. Imagine the damage that that has done deep in his body for being on a medication 15 years without any monitoring. Um, I have another client who's been on blood pressure medications. Every single blood pressure medications she, medication she has tried has given her bad side effects, like really bad side effects. She doesn't need the blood pressure medication because what causes blood pressure to spike and go up is stress. When we are stressed, our body needs to pump our blood around the body quicker because we need to fight or run away. So physiologically, your body is just keeping you safe. Now, her blood pressure, after seeing me, one our first session, she said, I didn't need to take my blood pressure medication for over three days and I was able to do a 7K walk, which I haven't been able to walk that far in months. Now, she keeps going back to her doctors and they keep going, well, one of them has to work and you have to be on it because of this. They're not asking her about her support structures, which are shaky at best. They haven't dealt with the grief that she has from losing her partner in that first year of lockdowns in and in Melbourne, we had quite severe lockdowns. And so she's got the stress from that as well. The yeah. isolation, she's moved into a new property and having all sorts of issues. She bought it because she thought it would make her life easier. And there have been building problems upon building problems upon building problems. What do you think is causing the stress? Why do you think her blood pressure is skyrocketing? And she keeps going to try and fight her cause by doctors and keeps getting told she doesn't know what she's talking about. And it, it blows my mind because I see this injustice happening and they're not interested. You know, part of what drew me to natural therapies is I had been sick for a long time. I knew I was unwell, but doctors kept doing the blood test going, well, you're the healthiest sick person we've seen. Well, that doesn't answer my problem. Now, I ended up seeing a Chinese doctor, a kinesiologist, a chiropractor, like I had a list. I I felt like J-Lo without the personal chef and without the money. Um, (laughs) I was seeing everybody. Um, And I had four different professionals tell me I had chronic fatigue. My doctors still would not recognise that that was the problem. And realistically, they probably wouldn't have been able to do anything about it anyway, because it was caused by the emotional stresses in my life. Now, the first person to ask me about my support network was a receptionist when I was booking with a psychologist and a kinesiologist. She said, but who's got your back? And I crumbled because I was like, I'm on my own. I got, I got no one supporting me. Yeah. Now, if that doesn't cause things like chronic fatigue, I mean, seriously, what else is there? You look at the depression and things like that that are out there, a lot of it is lack of connection. You know, they've done research in in the States and, I mean, I, I guess a lot of the research comes from the States because, you know, you guys seem to have the people who want to do it and the money in the universities that that want to go into this stuff. But, you know, I find it absolutely fascinating reading a lot of it. What was it? There was a huge percentage of people who didn't even have one close contact that they could put as their next of kin. And that is mind blowing when we are such connective creatures and we need community around us. You know, I struggled for a good year of my life as who I would put as my next of kin because I didn't have anybody living in the state who I would trust in that kind of scenario so I was putting my dad down who lived in a completely different state and I'm like well he's not going to be much chop in an emergency because you know it's going to take him 10 hours to drive here (laughs) you know like um and I find that kind of thing really really fascinating um and doctors just don't even ask the question I'd been looking for answers for a good couple of years before I found all of you know the naturopathy and the psychology and the you know kinesiology and all of those different things that actually helped me so what can we do to share with people? Because I agree. I'm with you. I'm not um, mm. bashing. So if my leg no. is severed and nearly cut off, I'm not going to sit there and rub some essential oils or like meditate. I'm going to go get help. <laughs> yeah. However, <laughs> oh yeah. 
for chronic issues, for what we truly know as emotional triggers, how can we empower mm. individuals to go within, to do the internal work to solve the root cause? And this is one where I think, unfortunately, privilege comes into play. And I have to mention it because it's, you know, a lot of these things are not covered by our governments because they are, you know, as we mentioned, supported by other industries. So a lot of the natural therapies, the more um, somatic therapies that, that help shift that stress out of the body aren't covered with our health cares. Um, we were taken off the schedule in Australia back in 27, beginning of 2017. I mean, you know, and they only used to get about $30 back for a session with me, but it was still enough to give them a little bit of help towards getting these kind of therapies. But realistically, I would suggest, yes, we need to go with it. But if we have chronic, you know, chronic abuse, chronic trauma, um, and long-term trauma and complex trauma stored in the body, realistically, I think you need to work with a trained therapist to dive into this stuff because you need somebody who has the tools, who has, who is able to hold space for you in it. I've tried to do a lot of this stuff on my own. And even now I will do certain things on my own, but I still go to a professional to hold space for me, to be able to see it from different perspectives, to be able to get a more objective view on what I am in, because when we're in it, we can't see the full picture. And so, yes, I do believe we need to go within, we need to do our meditations, we need to do, um, you know, our feeling into our body, naming our emotions, you know, oh gee, you know, instead of I am angry, which gives us no room to be anything other than angry, I feel angry, gives yeah. us a bit of distance towards it. Okay, so why do I feel angry? Anger is there to tell us when our boundaries have been violated. And so if, you know, somebody's been rude to you, well, that's a boundary violation. You're supposed to feel angry when your boundaries are violated. It tells you that your boundaries are being violated. You know, for me, my big one, um, and I'm sure potentially lots of mums and partners and things could recognise this, you know, I've been feeling really resentful the last couple of days. Do you know why? Because I look after everybody else. And just one day I would like to be that person who gets looked after. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't love my family and all of that, but that resentment has been there. Do you know why? Because I haven't been sleeping well, because there's been, you know, stuff going on. I've been eating fine, I've been exercising fine, I've been doing some of it, but I also haven't had a break from my work in we were working it out last night, since May last year when we headed over to New Zealand to visit my partner's family. That was the last time I had a break away from work. And when you work for yourself and you've got an office at home, you're on 24-7. I am constantly thinking about the next content I'm going to do, the next blog post I'm going to write, the next, you know, my body is actually shouting out for a break right now. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. I get it. And so now that I've named that emotion resentment, I understand why it's there then I can do something about it. I've actually booked a road trip for about three weeks time with my partner where we're just going to hit the road and either camp or stay in cheap, dodgy motels and just have a bit of fun. No agenda, nothing, you know, so I've booked, you know, until then I just have to really up the amount of self-care I'm doing. I will have more baths. I will spend more time in nature. I will be eating more cleanly. I will be, you know, watching, you know, what goes in my face, what goes in my ears, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I won't be, you know, we don't watch the news in my house anyway, but I won't be watching, you know, the more violent stuff on TV, for example. I'm going to tone it right down. It will be, you know, the innocuous, funny stuff you don't really need to think about, lighthearted, you know, good vibration type stuff. Because I know if I don't sort this out now, it will just grow and grow and grow. And then I'm going to be a bitch to live with because I'm going to be resentful. And that's just one example so that people can sort of, you know, when you can backtrack, okay, I'm feeling this, acknowledge the emotion, give it a name. Most people can name three emotions. They can name mad, sad, glad, happy, angry, sad. That's it. 
Now, if you can expand your emotional context to give the emotions within your body more color and texture and definition, we can actually understand the emotion a little bit better. And so, you know, I can, I can acknowledge that I'm feeling resentful and why resentment is part of the envy family. And I'm envious that everybody else is sitting there playing on their computer and having downtime when I'm running around like a blue ass fly trying to, you know, get everything done for everybody and run a business and, you know, do all the things. Now, my recognition of it doesn't fix the problem, so to speak, but my awareness of it allows me to then work out what my next steps are. I can create a plan. And so giving that, even that little bit of, you know, um, self-reflection is hugely empowering to you because you can go, okay, I understand why my emotions there. We're not denying the emotions there. We're not trying to fix the emotion. We're not trying to suppress the emotion and pretend it doesn't exist. We're acknowledging the emotion. We're naming it. We're going, yes, you exist here. Yeah. All emotions are just signposts. The ones that don't feel as good are going, I don't want as much of that in my life. And the ones that do feel good is our body going, yeah, I want more of that in my life. That's all it is. It actually is really, you know, I guess quite, it sounds very simplified, but it kind of is that simple. You know, when we feel grief, our body doesn't want to be feeling grief. And yet we also understand that grief is a beautiful emotion to feel because it means that we've loved. And so we kind of get into this both and, you know, I can feel really angry and still love somebody and still want to be with them even though I'm pissed off with them, it can all sit together and it's actually all true at the same time. And it's all okay. Yeah. You know, I have a lot of love for people who have caused me trauma and I still don't condone their actions and I can see it all and I can admit it all to myself. And therefore I'm like, huh, okay. All of that's actually true. And what our brain wants to do and the way we've conditioned wants to be true is it's this or this, it's black or white, it's yes or no, it's right or wrong, it's death or life. It's, you know, we want to go into that binary. And and when we can sort of start bringing it in, you know, I'm not just feeling resentment at the moment. I'm not just one big ball of resentment. I also have joy. Like I've had some amazing client sessions this last couple of weeks with some huge shifts. And that makes me feel excited and worthy and honored and humbled and you know i could probably go on and name another 50 emotions that it it brings up in me and you know i've had times where i've cried with my clients because i'm so emotional along with them we can have a lot of these things bubbling at the same time the more that we can kind of i guess give it color and texture and, and name the depths of all of that and acknowledge why it's there we actually already start healing, but to go to a professional who can help you make sense of it and to help you heal it in the body so that it doesn't activate, you know, all of the past shit that we hold in there. That is the key for me. I wouldn't have got to where I am without a hell of a lot of professionals holding me up and supporting me. Well, for sure. Um, something I I just wrote down here that I've walked myself through and I heard a little bit about it through Byron Katie. She has her four step, um, the work, she calls it the work. Yeah. I love Byron Katie. Yes. Um, what I kind of created something just more simple that I share with clients is one, cause you're right. We are conditioned and taught to suppress emotions. You don't want to cry in public Mm. boys, boys, surely boy, man, poor men, right? (laughs) They they really got, I know. But here's the thing. Oh, yeah. Mm. I feel when you're, quote, triggered, that is the indicator. Um, That's when it's like, don't run from it. That's the awareness piece. And so kind of what I have self-soothed through is I acknowledge the emotion. What am I feeling? And then I I do a reframe and I release it. Like I 
I, because for me, I'm really big on mindset and understanding that whatever you focus on expands. And, and if you get Mm -hmm. so far down the funk and in the rabbit hole and you can't see out, it's because you're so focused on the suck. For example, Mm -hmm. a guy this week on LinkedIn sent me a message and he thought I was like, why would you send that to me? But he sent me a picture of him wearing a shirt. You got to embrace the suck. And I was like, man, that is such tos- toxic masculinity, <laughs> right? You don't, imp- sure, there are situations and times in life when you have those obstacles and challenges mm. and like ebb and flow, but embrace the suck to me is very victim mentality. Yeah. FML, right? Fuck my life. And oh, that yeah. was so big. But anyway, I don't want to go on that tangent. Something- yeah. Yeah, something- yeah, yeah. You shared with me that you have created a lifestyle around nourishing mind, body, soul. Can you explain that? Yeah, yeah I think, um, again, it comes down to that, you know, prioritizing my internal truth. When I started down this path, you know, when I left my ex-husband, everybody told me, literally everybody told me, oh, you're never going to find a man like him again. Oh, you're going to regret it in six months. And by that point, he'll be dating somebody else and you won't be able to get him back. And like all of this kind of stuff. And if I'd gone with everybody else's survey monkey opinions, I'd still be with him and I'd be in a really, really bad place. Our marriage was toxic as hell for all of us involved Our, my poor children i still feel bad because i've traumatized them i just hope they can get the same therapy i've had <laughs> bless them and i do you know i'm going to walk through them with it i'm more than happy to put my hand up and admit that i've screwed them up um and i tell them often i just hope we can get <laughs> through <laughs> the trauma i've caused you um but you know if i'd listened to that i would not be in the place i am now now that was nearly uh, nearly eight years ago, I think. I can never remember anyway, however long ago it was. And my life now is freaking amazing. I, I lived my entire life trusting everybody else's opinion of what I should do. And so I ended up in this place where I was sick, I was in a toxic marriage where we were arguing all the time. It was just horrible. You know, I had these two children that didn't get the best of me and, and my life was sort of crumbling and I'm like, what the hell? Like I've followed the prescription. I've, I've did the whole, you know, societally expected. I good, good grades at high school. I went to university. I, you know, I went out and worked for a bit. I went traveling. I met my husband, you know, ticked all the boxes. And so for me turning learning how to turn inward being taught how to access that internal truth has been a vitally important thing and so i have that in every single day i i literally live my life around that now i trust those little intuitive nudges that i get that sometimes feel really crazy and really out there and and I trust them and I act on them. And it's amazing what comes from them. Question. Yeah. For somebody yes. who's new to this, and I feel you, but I've learned to tap into it and, mm. and it's kind of like turn right. You're like, why the hell would I turn right? I'm going left. Like you just yeah. follow these little things, right? Yep. Can you explain to somebody who may not be as tuned in, how do you mm-hmm. listen to those whispers, those nudges? How can they gain access? Yeah, absolutely. Look, and I, I absolutely love this. I, I run um, intuitive wisdom circles every fortnight here in Australia um, to help people learn how to do it. Because when we first tap into our intuition, it's quiet. It's really quiet because we've been shouting over it our whole life, telling it to pipe down it's wrong. And so it's like, you know, it's like, say, going to the gym and trying to lift the same weights Arnold Schwarzenegger does. Like, you're not going to be able to do that without training for it. So, you know, you can't just lift up, I don't know, whatever the hell he's lifting and expect to be able to do it because your muscles aren't honed for it. So what it is, you know, I give people tiny little things. Okay, go into a food court at lunchtime, ask your body what it really needs, not what it wants, what it needs. 
you know, say you you go, oh, I kind of need a salad today and you go and have something like McDonald's, feel into your body and feel what it feels like. Your intuition was going, I really need something green and I really need something healthy. And you put something other than that in there and you, you automatically go, oh, oh, yeah, maybe that wasn't the best thing I could have done. Yeah. And so that's where... I guess I, I get people to start is with those small inconsequential things, you know, stand in your wardrobe, what color feels like I should be wearing it today. Color is hugely healing. I have, you know, when colors test up in clinic, you can guarantee someone will go, you know, oh my God, you know, I don't know, yellow might be testing up for healing and they've got a yellow shirt on. They're like, I never wear yellow. This was at the back of my wardrobe and I just had to wear it today. And I'm like, well, that's because your body knew you know it can be tiny little things like that or stand in front of you know your herbal teas which which flavor do I really feel like my body wants and needs right now and have a look and see which one you're drawn to so start with really little things that you know aren't big life-changing things and practice trusting it you know, what do I need to eat today? What do I feel would be good? Do I feel, you know, what would be best for my mental health? Go for a walk or, you know, immerse myself in Netflix for three hours. Oh, my body's telling me to go for a walk, but I'm going to choose Netflix. I can guarantee you, you'll feel like crap, you know? (laughs) And then if you monitor sort of, I guess, your energy level before and after, what am I feeling before I do this? And what am I feeling after? And so for me, you know, every morning I start with a 7K walk on the beach, which is about an hour to an hour and a half, um, depending on how squidgy the sand is. <laughs> um, the, clo- the quickest I can do it one way is 35 minutes. And it, at the end, it's lovely. At the halfway point, there's a beautiful cafe that I get my chai from every morning. Um, and then I walk back with that. Um, but, you know, the dog and I do that every single morning. Now, when it's rainy and crappy you can guarantee my alarm goes off and I'm like I do not want to walk the dog today but I tune in I'm like do I need to walk the dog today and I get a hell yes not just for him not just because he needs it I need that time as well and so I will put on my raincoat and I'll be literally sometimes the only person on the beach And there's me, you know, struggling with the wind and the rain and the weather and all that sort of stuff. But I can guarantee you I feel better afterwards because I've gotten out and I'm and it's quiet. And all you can hear is sometimes the wind and the rain and the waves and that's it. And so it really is, you know, my lifestyle is about nourishing my body spirit. It is it is living, eating, breathing what I do for work, really. Yeah. which is that spiritual development, that that healthy, vibrant lifestyle. And I can tell you now, if you told me I was living like this 10 years ago, I would have told you absolutely crazy because I, I thought all this sort of stuff was woo-woo and bullshit. I've actually realised it is necessary. There's no woo about it. Yeah. Like it's it's crazy. So, yeah. Well, and that's why I love quantum physics and I talk about how mm. I um, – well, Dispense is the one that says it, but I really love how he yeah. shares that he marries science and spirituality. That's how to demystify yeah. the mystical. He comes from a science lens, but he is very much teaching these fundamental spiritual practices, connecting within, aligning mind, body. He calls it brain, heart. Yeah. So yes. look, he's just using different terms so that people don't aren't turned away because they think it's woo woo. But again, you know, maybe that was also ego keeping us away from what we truly need, mind, body, spirit, Hmm. keeping us more in the 3D. Um, Yeah. Shoot, there was something I was going to touch on. Can you share a little bit? I know we're tight on time, but you talked a little bit about essential oils and I know some of it, but you were sharing how there's been four common ones with all of your patients and if could you share those four oils what they mean and (laughs) so we're all connected yeah it's really interesting so we will go through I will go through you know I have a hundred different 
individual essential oils just in tiny bottles that I will test through because what what often happens at the beginning of a session is it's really good for opening up um when you smell an essential oil it goes straight up into that sort of the emotional part of the brain um there's no barrier to that and so what I find it does is it opens up some of those old pathways that need to heal when people just smell it so regularly at the start of a session an essential oil will test up to help open up those pathways and i am always amazed because out of 100 oils the same ones will keep coming up in the same sort of period so i was mentioning before um a desert rosewood which is an oil of belonging has come up for so many people lately um and it's really interesting because of course after the last few years we're especially here in Melbourne, and I can't speak for the rest of the world, we have endured really tough, strict, hard lockdowns for a very lengthy period of time. People are feeling disconnected. And so what they are desperate for is that feeling of belonging, which is Mm. phenomenal. Um, Another one that's been coming up a lot is Roman chamomile, which is, um, I think it's gentle calmness or something like that. So it's also about calming that nervous system down, releasing that emotional stagnation in the body, but in a very gentle, calm kind of way. Um, Another one that's been coming up is sweet fennel, which is about free expression. And people have felt stifled. You know, all of the, you know, social media stuff is so divisive. It is so this or this and everything in between doesn't exist anymore. It's so binary in you know, you're either completely, you know, far left or far right. And anyone in the center seems to be shoved to, to one end or the other. Yeah. It's like, if you're not with us, you're against us kind of stuff. And it's like, whoa, calm down. Like we can have a multitude, again, that multitude of, you know, beliefs and things being true at the same time. I may not agree with everything that, you know, everybody says, even when they're, you know, going down the same path as me doesn't mean that I, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater and go, well, you're wrong about everything then. <laughs> but yeah. that seems to be where we're at at the moment. And so it's it's just really interesting that free expression has been coming up a lot with the oil as well. And so, and again, like I say, having a hundred different oils and having these same ones come up over and over again for different people with different you know, life experiences and different traumas and all of that. It just shows how connected we are. I will go through stages, you know, a few weeks back, it was um, Jasmine came up a lot and Rosewood came up a lot. I can't remember what they're four off the top of my head. But again, <coughs> these same oils showing up there, you know, showing up over and over again. And you're like, whoa. And you do see that connectivity. And again, going back to that thing about um, that Joe Dispenza, you know, does talk about with that, you know, heart-mind coherence and a lot of that stuff's done by the HeartMath Institute as well. I love that he's got the, you know, really neurophysical type um, side to his work. I think it's fascinating. I'm a bit of a science geek as well. Um, But when we're looking at that mind-body connection, you know, it's going back thousands of years that science was, you know, elevated to the status of the church. And, you know, this is science's domain. And, and you know, we started to get into this really elevating the science. And that's when we started disconnecting from our bodies. You know, you look at back, you know, way back when, and women were always traditionally the midwives and the people who helped through the birthing process. Now, when that was taken on by the medical establishment, women weren't even allowed to go to medical school. So all of a sudden that whole aspect of midwifery and everything got hijacked by men through, because you had to be a university professor to, you know, university graduate to work in that field, but women weren't allowed to go to university. So well, sucks to be you, you know, (laughs) and you look at those sorts of limitations and you kind of go, okay, well, this is where science kind of, you know, I guess got (laughs) hijacked by the patriarchy and we were taught to dismiss what our body wanted and needed. And it was obviously a gradual thing, but science has been elevated to king and, you know, anything to do with spirit and intuition and those, you know, psychic senses and all of that stuff has been poo-pooed and dismissed and thrown away as trash 
because it's not elevated to that wonderful, you know, height of right brightness. But then we have teachers like I love, love Bruce Lipton. Oh, who, yeah, he's amazing. Obviously, he would be an outlier in the science field, but I love him. I am so grateful that he has taken charge for, what is it, like 60 oh, years? I think he's... God, he's ages. Definitely so, 80s, I think it was. It was about 40 years. Okay, 40 years. Thank he, you. Yeah, he was, I think he was in the 70s or 80s because I was, I was actually only reading the biology of belief again not that long ago, but yeah. But ultimately what he shares is how science and spirituality are connected and it's a fine dance yeah absolutely 100 percent. we can't we cannot separate again the same thing that you know going back to that you know the body being for you know the meat suit physical bit of us being four percent of the picture you can't just take out this one little bit and the idea of science is to always ask questions and this is what seems to have stopped certainly in what we're being told over here we're not allowed to ask questions of science because we need to trust the science well hang on the whole idea of science is to keep asking questions and see if you can prove different hypotheses yeah but it again that has been hijacked by capitalism and you go well can we trust people who unless they prove certain hypotheses correct are being defunded it's like well no because then the scientists have a vested interest in proving certain hypotheses and Oh, my dog's got a ball in the hallway. Apologies. I could hear this big rumbling. I couldn't work out what the hell it was. <laughs> I, I, I thought there was no something worries. weird going on outside. So apologies for that. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's where it comes to. And I think you're absolutely right. We are so inextricably linked. We are. We all have God's source within us. Pure peace, pure love, pure joy, pure happiness. We all come from that spirit. Yeah. And so to try and separate the spirit, which is us, from the science which is also us to me is just crazy yeah question yes i i couldn't agree more and i feel like that because the messaging keeps coming that way i feel like everywhere i look left and right is listen to your heart get back into your heart when everything is love and unity and we know there's a big transformation it's just like (laughs) we're freaking in the midst of it yeah absolutely i'm getting chills so that was definitely um, (laughs) here's what i want to ask you we've touched on a lot of different topics what is one Hmm. key takeaway you really want listeners to get it really is about trusting yourself it really is if you get an inkling that something is not quite right chances are something's not quite right you know i knew my marriage wasn't quite right for a long long time i had that answer deep within me yet i you know, it's like I wanted somebody else to tell me, no, you need to leave him and here, I'll do it for you. Because <clears throat> that would have been easier. You know, I've been in shitty jobs before that I've wanted to leave, but I've been too scared to leave. Well, I knew I needed to leave them because they weren't serving me. We know deep down the answers to our question, but we often trust the lies and we trust other people's truth over ourselves. We think that everybody else has the answer and we don't. And I think it goes back to what you were saying prior to, um, us, you know, starting recording when we're having our pre-chat about, you know, we're taught from very young age, you go to a doctor, you get it fixed, or you go to this person, they'll fix it, or you, you know, ask for help from a teacher, or, you know, we're always deferring to other people. And I think when we can really tap in and and start to trust ourselves that that little inkling that things aren't quite right is telling us something for a reason, I think that's so powerful. Yes, I love that. I'd love to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions to wrap up the interview. Yeah. First one, what is a quote or motto that you live by? Oh, I'm not going to be able to repeat it off the top of my head without butchering it, but it's the Marianne Williamson one about allowing yourself to shine. You know, God made you the way you are. And by us shining our light, we give other people permission to do the same. I have it on a canvas in my bedroom. Yes, I love, yeah, love I have that it one. The place, funnily enough, I, I can't see it from here. Usually I can see it yeah. from everywhere. 
What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? I have a, always about six or seven books on the go <laughs> at any one time because, you know, but actually at the moment I've gone back to a um, a fiction book at the moment just to, again, I've been on nonfiction for so many years. So I was like, I'm going to have a bit of fun. And I've read a couple from a couple of um, Aussie authors. One is called Jasper Jones, um, which is just a really cool little story at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm only about a third of the way through, but I'm really loving it. Um, I had a book called The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart, which was divine, um, kind of still fits in all of the, I guess, spiritual stuff that I love but done in a fiction way, which meant that my brain didn't need to work quite so hard, which was really, really nice. Um, oh, and I just um, I just listened actually to Phosphorescence again by Julia Baird, which is um, oh, just such a magical, beautiful book. It's so highly recommended. Again, she's a, um, she actually used to work in America for quite some time as a journalist, and she's now with the ABC in Australia. Um, beautiful writer, just amazing. So, yeah. I'm curious, are you familiar with Robin Sharma? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the monk who stole my Ferrari. Is that the he's one? written a bunch. Um, I have yeah. a bunch of his books, but the reason I brought him up is because yes, I, I've actually been in this, this is not normal for me, but I bet I'm going on like two months now that I keep trying to pick up a book and I just. I mean, like I read a page and that I'm just not supposed to be taking it in. But anyway, what I love about yeah. Robin Sharma, he has really deep metaphorical spiritual teachings in like fables or I love yeah. his work. I love his writing yeah. style. All right. So final, final question. What advice would you give your younger self? To be honest, I probably wouldn't have listened to it. Um, <laughs> that's one of the things that, you know, I always think about. Um, I would tell her to start trusting herself and to act on all of those intuitive messages she's getting because I was highly intuitive and I ignored everything and ended up sick as a result. So, yeah, I'd try and get her to hear that, but who knows? <laughs> Trust yourself. Such a great note to end on. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much, Heather. It's been an absolute delight and it's been so great to connect with you. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. I'd love it if you could leave me a review and remember to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. If you haven't yet, connect with me on the social platforms. You can add me on Instagram at heather.hakes and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'll catch you on the next episode.